0: Hi everyone, it's Chris O'Meally. Welcome to another edition of my one-man podcast. It is June the 2nd as I record this, and everybody is actually hearing this episode at the same time. Patrons, I do apologize. You normally do get early access to these shows, but this is kind of a special episode, and it does involve the month of May, and I really wanted to just get it out and get it out there before May gets too far away from us here. So I decided to just do this one, get it out, And next time, of course, there'll be early access for you guys, but everybody's going to get to hear this at the same time. As you guys know, or maybe you don't, but May is a significant month for me because I celebrate three very interesting anniversaries in the month of May. I celebrate the anniversary of first getting into the wrestling business, first going to work for Disney, and first becoming a podcaster which are unique anniversaries because, well, how many other people do you know who are podcasters in the wrestling business who also worked at Disney? If there are other people like that out there, I don't know who they are or where they are, but point them out to me. Maybe we can be friends. So I want to just kind of tell the stories of how these three things came to be in my life. I have told these stories on previous podcasts before, but they've been told on older episodes, episodes that have been buried and sort of lost to the archives. Sometimes they're spread out in multiple places, So what I want to do is tell the three stories here in one spot so you can always go back to episode five of my one-man show and reference these stories again. And this way, I don't necessarily have to tell them again on any of my platforms, unless I'm actually being interviewed on someone else's podcast. But on my platforms, yeah, I, I really don't have to tell these stories again. You've probably heard the stories before if you're a longtime listener of any of my work, or you've just known me for a really long time, but there's a chance that there might be some details you never really heard before. So I'm going to try to do this in as much detail as possible, while still keeping the episode relatively short and interesting. So what we're going to do is we're going to go in chronological order of the way that things happen. So I'll tell the story of getting into wrestling first, Disney second, and podcasting third, because chronologically in my life that's how these things transpired. We will go now back to the year 2004 and discuss how I got involved in wrestling, something I never ever thought was ever going to happen, but it happened at the perfect time in my life. So I had just finished my very first year in college, and I'm going to admit right now I did not take my first year of college seriously. I basically treated it like it was high school. I treated it like a joke. I do firmly believe that gen ed classes are useless in college and college should be geared towards an educational career, towards whatever you want to do with your life. So I was also kind of bitter about that. And my first year was just, it was a joke. I treated it like such. Um, I know my parents don't listen to these shows, but I actually ended up on academic probation and hid that from them because I knew that that was going to cause a lot of issues if they ever found out. So, Mom, Dad, if you are listening to this, I am sorry that I hid that from you, but you guys weren't always the easiest to deal with me when my grades were bad, and you didn't exactly support me in doing them better. You kind of did the whole punishment thing as opposed to working with me, and you did that for too long, so... That's kind of why things ended up that way. But I was going towards a career in journalism. I thought I wanted to write for a living, and that really didn't interest me that much. I really didn't have a lot of interest in news and newspapers and things like that. So I was kind of struggling, but I talked to two friends of mine, Pat and Jason, both of which I did go to high school with. They graduated the year before me. They were going to community college with me. And they were pursuing a career in broadcasting. And that sounded much more interesting to me because I'd still get to somewhat do writing, but now I could also do television production. Much more interesting, definitely seemed like something that would be up my alley. So to start off my second year in college, I'm not even going to call it sophomore year because it was a community college, you don't really have that kind of stuff. But to kick off year two, I signed up for a broadcasting class. The three of us went in together in the classroom they had the desk set up with all the computers on individual stations and we took the back row the three of us and there was another gentleman sitting back there too so across this row of four were the four of us and our professor tony salimo who ended up becoming my boss down the line very good man i believe he's retired now and i do wish him well Uh, He did the whole let's go around the classroom and introduce ourselves because it was a small class and yeah, you know And I'm sure some of you guys are probably cringing at that thought and I was kind of that way too But I'd also made a pact to myself in college because I was a very shy very reserved kid in high school And I wanted to be more outgoing and be more social so I was trying to go in the other direction anyway So I didn't really mind so the first person he calls is the gentleman sitting in the back row with the three of us And he goes, my name is John, and I'm a professional wrestler. I've been doing it for about three years now. And we were just kind of gobsmacked about that because the three of us were huge wrestling fans. We would get together every pay-per-view Sunday, order it together, pool in our money, get pizza, and watch it. We talked about it endlessly. We played all the video games. We went to shows together. Like... People don't understand, who don't understand pro wrestling, like, it really is a huge brotherhood when there's the fans really kind of get together, or at least it was back then. The fandom has gotten a little toxic these days, and I might discuss that in a later episode. But back then, this was the cool thing, and these were my friends, this was our like-minded interest, and now we just met somebody who actually does it, and we were really shocked by that. So, of course, we, we became friends with him immediately, good old John Salinas, his wrestling name is Johnny Toxic, and John's still friends to this day. This would have been 04, this is 2022, so what would that be, like 18 years, pretty much? It's a pretty long friendship there. And we all kind of bonded with John a little bit, but John and I ended up bonding the strongest because unlike Pat and Jason, I actually thought I could maybe pursue something in wrestling if I just kind of went for it. Eventually Pat would get there too, but I, I was the one that kind of stuck my neck out first. I was having a conversation with John one day after class about how I thought it would be cool to be a manager or something like that, and he thought I actually had the potential to do it. So he ended up offering to take me up to his training center to meet the promoter that ran it and some of the people there. So this would now, the semester starts in September. So we're fast forwarding now to December. We're near the end of the semester. And this happened on a Wednesday night because that's when their training sessions were. I don't remember the exact date. It was a Wednesday in December of 04. So go back, look at the calendar, pick a Wednesday. It was probably one of the middle ones. And more than likely, that's the first time I ever went to the training center. I honestly don't remember that specific date, which kind of stinks. But at the time, it wasn't really something that I was registering in my head. But... He drove me up to Pittston, Pennsylvania, which is in the greater Scranton-Wilkesbury area for anybody who doesn't know the geography of Northeast PA, not that you really need to. It was held in a garage. There was a ring set up near the back. The wall was head to toe covered in all these show posters throughout the years. Those cool old school ones that are flat cardboard and have the, the printed letters you pay by the letter. Sometimes they have the pictures of the guys on them. You can probably look them up online and see some of the pictures. They're really cool. My name's actually on one from a show that we did in 2005, and I have it hanging up on the wall in my room, just because my name's on an old-school wrestling poster, along with Tito Santana, who's a WWE Hall of Famer. So it's just one of those cool things to look at. My name's been on other posters, but usually it's posters that I made, (laughs) or somebody else made them and put my name on it, but not like a professional-grade-looking one. So I went up to Pittston and I met Justin Glory. He was the student trainer. He is still wrestling to this day. He promotes Backbreakers Entertainment, the Backbreakers Training Center that he kind of took over, that was associated with World Star Wrestling, the promotion I ended up working for. And he has appeared on NXT TV, WWE TV, appeared in a couple of segments. Yeah, really good dude, really talented guy. And, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be here without him, without John, and without Johnny Glitter, the promoter. And I met Johnny Glitter this night. He had his hair pulled back in dreadlocks, but he had the Hogan hair, the Hulk Hogan hair. So he's completely bald on top, but he's got long blonde hair in the back, and he actually had them in dreadlocks. And he talks just like you would expect somebody, like a 1980s pro wrestler to sound like. He kinda talks like this. Every single one of his words is very pronounced. He also had a bad habit of mispronouncing things in a very funny way, but really smart guy. He was brilliant when it came to wrestling. We met, we talked, and I said I didn't have the money to train, but I was interested in it. And I think in his mind, he thought that was probably the end of the conversation. What I would come to learn real, you know, later on in life, I kind of learned that there was a lot of people they'd show up at these training centers And they'd never follow through. They would never come through with money, or they just would get cold feet, or they'd train for a little bit, get beaten up, and then drop out. Very, very common. So he thought he had seen the last of me. And even though I couldn't train, I still wanted to go and just be around it, and John kept bringing me. So in the next couple of months, I met a couple other people that would become friends of mine down the line. I met Matt Turner, still a great person to this day. Um... Mike Collis, who wrestled as John Logan, another good dude, and Jason Porter, who is a good dude. We've had our fun, but Porter's a good guy. Uh, there were three of the main guys I met, along with Glitter's son, uh, Johnny Glitter Jr. He was a referee who called himself Tommy Midnight for a while. I believe he's going off the Glitter Jr. persona now. I know he's still trying to keep World Star Wrestling alive, and I hope he's doing well. Those were really the main people that I met who would show up at the training center and kind of befriend them a little bit. So fast forward a couple of months. Like I said, I started going up in December. Now it's April's coming up. And Glitter approaches me. He goes, look, kid, you've been coming here a lot. I know you don't really have the money to train, but I can tell you're serious about at least being involved. So we got a show coming up in April. How would you like to do backstage announcing? We could use somebody like that. And of course, I would have done anything they asked me to to be part of a show. So... He gave me kind of a crash course in how to be a wrestling announcer. Um, I had like four interviews scheduled. One of them was going to be with a wrestler by the name of Drew Hankinson. He would later go on to become more famous as Luke Gallows or Doc Gallows in New Japan and TNA and all that. Uh, He was on his way out of World Star to get signed with WWE. So that was going to be one of my big interviews on the show. And a couple other people I was going to interview. One of them was going to be one of the girl wrestlers. I don't remember who it was, but... At the time, girl wrestlers were still relatively uncommon, and so it was always a big deal to have females on the show. I had, like, two other interviews, too. Unfortunately, that show ended up getting canceled. Another lesson in wrestling is that a lot of shows that you would be planning would just up and not happen. We had a great show we were planning in my hometown of Vernon that never transpired. I was still a little salty about that, and we tried to get shows at my college, while I was there, and those never transpired either. John did successfully get a show there eventually, but that was really disappointing That to, to really work hard and, and make that stuff come true, and then it didn't, but I digress. Anyway, fast forward to May. Another show's coming up. This one's actually going to happen. It's in Matamoros, Pennsylvania, in the northeast corner of PA. For you geographical people out there, Matamoras borders Montague, New Jersey and Port Jervis, New York to tell you exactly how cornered this little town is, but the show is going to be in their firehouse. And I was scheduled to be an announcer, but their ring announcer, the main guy that they used, was actually going to wrestle on the show. So they decided to have me be the ring announcer. And I debuted on May 14th, 2005 in the Matamoras firehouse as the ring announcer for world star wrestling. Now, A lot of memories have come and gone in wrestling, but I still remember that show pretty well. I can't tell you every single person who was on it, but I do distinctly remember that we worked with a bunch of guys from Maryland and a bunch of guys from Johnny Rod's school in New York City. Specifically, sweet Bobby G, who is still a friend of mine to this day. Bobby G, another awesome person, really good friend. Him and Justin Glory were the main event. It was a non-title affair that Bobby G won, Glory being the champion, which meant he got a shot at Glory's title at the next show and ended up winning it. And that's how Bobby G became the world star champion. Uh, My buddy John got to wrestle. He wrestled El Shoes, the guy who was supposed to be the ring announcer. And they did one of the fun wrestling angles at the end where they had a cop arrest him and bring him out of the arena. You know, typical, typical cheesy bad guy stuff in wrestling, but it worked. The fans were into it. I do remember they were short on people, so they had a masked wrestler who called himself Bylong the White Dragon, and he actually took his mask off and wrestled in a firefighter outfit, as that was something that would happen a lot in wrestling, too. You would be kind of short a couple of guys, there'd be guys who would have masks and other characters, and they would put that stuff on and work twice for you, usually in a losing effort in a pretty easy way, but it was always useful to have those guys on your show. And it was a really fun first show. My parents were there, and my buddy John's brother was our bell, or I should say timekeeper, bell ringer. He didn't really do much timekeeping, but he was like 14 at the time. So, Dan, if you're listening to this, you were a baby then. I was a baby too, honestly. I mean, this is where we are going back here. I was very young still. And that sparked me getting involved in pro wrestling. And I can honestly say that it has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I love the pro wrestling business. I love that I can say that I've been part of it. Even if I never do another show again, that's something I can never have taken away from me. I've been in pro wrestling, and I've made a lot of great friends who are still friends to this day. Not people I talk to very often or even see very often, but when I do see them, it's that unique kind of bond where you pick up exactly where you left off. Uh, Going back to my buddy, Matt Turner, the next time I saw him, after I moved to Florida, which we'll get to here in a minute. I didn't see him for almost 10 years, I think, after that. And when I saw him, the next time I gave him a big hug and we literally picked up like we never lost any time. Wrestling's a really, really unique business like that. And because you have to trust each other with your own bodies and really just trust each other in general, you develop very strong friendships, very strong kinship with everybody. And if somebody isn't carrying their weight they usually don't last very long and they don't make it very far in those unique <laughs> locker room environments. but, you know, I've had my ups and downs, but the wrestling business doesn't owe me a damn thing, and I owe it everything. I literally will never be able to repay my debt and be able to say that I've been there and I've done it. And I've gotten to promote shows, I've gotten to make matches. I've gotten to do manager gimmicks and evil authority figure gimmicks, and it's been a lot of fun. The only thing I've never actually done is have an actual match, but I'm up for it. It can be a silly gimmick match where nothing really happens. I can get my ass kicked. I can tap out in 30 seconds. I really don't care. I just want to be able to say that I've had a match. That's like the one thing I really just want to say I can do in wrestling before I I say, yeah, I, I never have to do anything again. But every now and again I get that itch to get back in, and right now I've got the itch again. So we'll see what the future holds. And like I said, things are very unpredictable, and right now I'm kind of living in the moment. I'm in one of those phases of my life where I'm trying to live in the moment and enjoy what's happening now, so I don't really know what my future holds, but I do know that one day I will just have a match and I'll be super proud of it. Yeah, it will be literally like the last goal. And if my entire wrestling career is 0-1, so be it, because I can say that I did it. So we'll see where the future goes there. But getting involved in wrestling was a lot of a lot of chance, a lot of a lot of good luck being in the right place at the right time and just showing your loyalty. Do I ever regret the fact that I didn't truthfully pay to get trained? I kind of do, because that's one of those things that you feel like you didn't really pay your dues. And that's another reason why I feel like I'll never be able to repay that debt. And hindsight's a hell of a thing. Years ago, if you had asked me, I probably would have been much more cocky about it. I absolutely was more cocky about it. I, want, I felt like I, I needed to do more and I deserve to do more and all this other stuff. But, you know, you grow and you mature, and I just don't feel that way anymore. Now I just feel like I'm very lucky and happy to have been there. And if anybody ever calls me and says, hey, you want to come do the show? We got a spot for you. I'll jump at the opportunity. And if I don't get the call again, I can at least I can say that I've done it. So there you go. Like, wrestling's been great to me. So... How did I end up working for Disney? That's always been a fun story to tell because this is another one that kind of happened completely out of nowhere and something I didn't even realize was an option. So once again, we're in college. Now this time I'm at my four-year school completing my bachelor's degree in broadcasting. Montclair State University in New Jersey. Now, when I went to broadcasting school as a transfer student, I actually rushed through and finished broadcasting school in three semesters instead of the usual four that a transfer student would do. I was really itching to get done and get out there, and honestly, I don't really know why I rushed through it so much, but that's kind of just the way that it happened. I I had enough credits, and I earned everything that I needed. By the time I got to my final semester, I only had one credit left that I needed to graduate, and it was it was an elective credit. So I signed up for some music class because one of my classmates was doing it too. It's like a, it was like a music history type class and it only met on Fridays. So I didn't have to stay on campus anymore. I moved back home and I only commuted to school on Fridays and I worked during the week. but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one thing I never did in college was I never did an internship. So I was I was feeling very directionless. You know, college is about to end. I'm gonna have to start looking for a career. I don't know where to go or what to do. The only real internship options they ever had at Montclair were stuff I wasn't really interested in. I know people went and worked at Fox News. I don't really have an interest in news. I know people worked for The View and The Colbert Report. Again, talk shows aren't really my thing. And then I know people who worked for ESPN. And even though I do consider myself a sports fan, I'm simply not that knowledgeable about sports to really feel like I would do good working in any kind of a sports-based environment, especially considering that sometimes when you're a fan of something, you get caught up in the action and you can't really pay attention to it. That's why in college, I loved shooting basketball games because I'm not a big enough basketball fan to lose myself in it. So that was easy for me, but shooting something like baseball was a little harder because I'm a baseball fan. And I could sometimes want to pay more attention to the action than actually do my job. But again, you know, that's, it is what it is. So yeah, no internship, no real career prospect. So one day I'm on campus and I'm walking with my friend Tori, one of the only really good friends from college I still have left at this point. My, my friend circle has gotten so small in recent years and it's, it's really gotten down to like one really good friend from high school left and a very small handful from college left. But Tori and I are still friends. Wonderful human being, has a beautiful family now. She's living her best life. Uh, One thing her and I always had in common was we were big Disney people. We always talked about Disney a lot. So one day we're walking through campus and we're just kind of chatting. She's like, yeah, I'm going to the uh, Disney College Program seminars this week. I'm like, what's the Disney College Program? She's like, it's this internship program. You go and you work at, you live at the parks and you work there. And I was like, oh, that sounds like so much fun, but I'm about to graduate. She goes, that's okay. You can do the program up to one semester after you had graduated. okay and the best part is if you do it that way since you don't have any classes to take you literally just go and work and it's it's a paid internship and you guys are probably well aware that many internships are not paid. So I was like this is actually pretty exciting sounding. okay yeah, I'll go I'll go to the seminar with you and check it out. So we attended this seminar in one of those big lecture halls and they they really kind of hype you up. They play this really cool promotional video that shows everything that Disney owns. They do lots of trivia. They really get you excited to go work there. And I signed up for it ended up getting the phone interview, which is the big thing that determines if you're going to go work there. So the whole phone interview process, as I'm sure you may have guessed, really is a character evaluation. They want to make sure that you're a happy, bubbly person, you're going to come across as personable, you're going to be good working for a park that has their guest service expectations sky high. And I always knew that would probably be something I'd be good at. What I didn't know was that if you're like me and you talk a lot, gee, the podcaster talks a lot, you end up getting a spieling attraction, which is what I got. But I also didn't know that till I got there. Well, sure enough, I got the internship and I was really excited because now I actually had a career prospect. I was going to go work at Disney and I found out that if you did a really good job, you would stay on as a seasonal cast member, which meant you could go back and work whenever you wanted, and maybe you could turn that into something. You could apply to be part-time and then eventually get full-time. So it was a really exciting opportunity for me because I finally had a career direction, and I always thank Tori for that because if it wasn't for her talking me into doing this, I don't know what would have happened. My entire life could have been on a different trajectory and may not have been a good one. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever know, to be honest, but I was really excited to go and that happened on May 21st was my actual first day of work. So I think I probably moved in around like May 19th or so because I think we had like two days to kind of get acclimated and meet everybody and do everything. So I I do remember this. I graduated, I went home, I spent the next day packing, and the day after that is when I actually started the drive down to Florida. So I, I distinctly remember that. It was literally like, hey you graduated, well it's time to go. So my college housing was Vista Way. Vista Way was the party central place. I actually chose to stay there because they had said that it was the more sociable place and I wanted to meet people because, yeah, I'd gone I'd gone to college before and not known a soul, but this was one of those times where I was like, no, seriously, I need to like, I'm not gonna know anybody, I need to make sure I'm somewhere where people are gonna be sociable. I ended up living with two frat boys and there was uh, Kenny, Kenny from California. Kenny's a good dude, still friends to this day, we don't talk that often, but good guy. And Nigel, from Zimbabwe, usually the international students all stayed in their own housing, but Nigel got to house with us, and it's really cool to meet somebody from another culture like that. And I met people from all over the country and all over the world. So that was a really fun experience there. I ended up working at Kilimanjaro Safari. Again, because you get the the whole talking thing, they wanted to put you at a spieling attraction. And I was really, really nervous about that because I was going to have to drive a 22-foot-long truck or 36-foot-long truck. I don't even remember how long it was, but it was huge. And basically talk about animals and try not to hit an animal or whatever. But I had great trainers, and the safari system was very, very supportive. So not really anything negative to say about that. I will probably do an episode in the future and go more in-depth about what it was like to train and work there, maybe on a park hopper with Eric, or I might just do that on this show here. I don't want to spoil all that stuff here, but yeah, getting to work at Disney was really just doing the Disney college program. And if anybody out there who is in that college age or going back to school or whatever or I don't know you got kids that are getting up to that age and they're not really sure what to do let me tell you something do the Disney college program encourage everybody to do it it's a paid internship it really does feel like a vacation and it's a great experience it was so much fun and I met so many great people friends to this day Ryan and Brett um and plenty of others. I'm not gonna start going into names because I'm gonna start missing people and then someone's gonna get upset and I don't wanna do that. But yeah, I I highly recommend if anybody out there can push anybody into the Disney college program, really, really fun, really, really well worth it. And I will definitely go into more details down the line. I will just say this though, um, if you do mess up, you only get 24 hours to get out of there. So you better have a plan if you're one of those people who flew down and has a lot of stuff. Like you got, you better have a plan to get out of there. But again, uh, many more details that could come from working at Disney that really positively impacted my life, just based on the people that I met. So Disney was a great experience, and it ended up being a really fun job, and it was a career path. And things didn't work out, you know. And I'll, I'll tell that story another time, you know. And now I'm much more mature and my eyes are more open to things and I know that me not working out at Disney was my fault too like I used to blame other people for it and while there is still some truth to that that there were some people who were out to get me a little bit I didn't exactly help my situation that's a story for another time but yeah the Disney internship program was really cool and it, it really did kind of fall into my lap and work out really well Just be a pleasant person and be honest about what you want to do. And that's one more thing I'll give advice to if anybody does ever consider this. This is really important. Don't do a job there that you could do here. Don't work in a merchandise store. Don't be a server. Yeah, I know tips and everything, but don't do that. Go work for the rides. Go work in entertainment. Do something that you can't do here. Do something unique there. And I think you're going to have much more fun if you do things that way. So now we move on to the other anniversary that happened. Uh, I said my wrestling debut was the 14th of May. My podcasting debut was the 15th. So how did I become a podcaster? Well, it all started because my buddy Pat, the wrestling guy again, he was actually part of this radio show. It would go live after Monday Night Raw, which was a little ridiculously late, but At the time, working at Disney, when a lot of this was happening, I was actually usually off on Mondays. But again, staying up late to listen to a live radio show at 11 p.m. could be kind of rough. But my friend was doing it, and I like to support what my friends are doing, so I would try listening to it. Um, Normally, when there's something negative, like this radio show and the people were kind of scummy and everything, I don't like to say who their names were because I don't want to give them any kind of free publicity. But I honestly cannot for the life of me remember what the name of that radio show was that Pat worked on. So in this case, I'm actually doing myself a favor by just having a horrible memory. And yeah, by the way, if I ever remember anything about you guys, like specifically about you or your likes or interests or like your birthday or whatever, be really thankful because I really have a terrible memory. And I do apologize for that. But yeah, so... Pat's doing this radio show, and I don't remember how he got hooked up with it either, but I was a little jealous because it was something I always wanted to do. I always thought it would be fun to do a wrestling-themed radio show. Um, Podcasting was just sort of becoming a thing back then, and kind of blowing up, it was becoming much more easy to access for people, and it was something that just sounded like fun for me. It was something I really wanted to do, but I didn't have a method of doing it, because honestly, to do it successfully like I'm doing here, it does cost money. Thankfully, I have a support system now that helps finance that stuff. Thank you, patrons. You guys are awesome. And I have other support and other help now. I have a decent enough job where I can support some of the expenses on my own. So back then, you know, the free stuff wasn't really kind of an option. And I didn't have a good microphone. And I I just really didn't know how to do it. Like what kind of a program to use or whatever. Like I just didn't know. But he was doing it and I was listening to it. Well, eventually he ended up quitting the radio show because he got frustrated with it. Now, again, I can't say anybody's names because I legitimately don't remember, but I wouldn't say it anyway. But here's all you need to know about how much this host of the show just didn't give a crap about his product and didn't give a crap about putting an effort out there. So forgive me because I don't remember if this is the wrestler's name. I believe it was Jesse Sorensen was the wrestler they were interviewing. Not really a famous wrestler, but he was on TV at the time. I think he was working for TNA Impact. So he was somewhat well-known, but he had a cancer survivor story or or some kind of a survivor story that was really heart-wrenching and inspirational. And they they got him on the show and they were interviewing him and talking to him. So the host of the show would literally just leave. He would just leave and just go do stuff around the house while the show was happening live. He just didn't care. He would just pop back in whenever he felt like it. And I remember that rubbed me the wrong way because here I am thinking like this is something that I legitimately want to do with my life And this guy doesn't care, but he's doing it and he's got the following and that's not fair It's one of those things. Well, when life's not fair, you have to do something about it Pat had gotten frustrated and wanted to do his own thing And I said, dude, if you ever want to like do your own show, I'm all for it It's something I've always wanted to do. I just don't really know how to do it and he kind of spearheaded the thing because he had the experience there. Uh, Dan Pat got involved. Dan and Pat knew each other better than Dan and I knew each other now. But Dan and Pat had been friends much longer through Xbox Live parties and everything for years and years since then. But he was kind of interested in doing it too. So Pat recruited the two of us. And on May 15th, 2013, we recorded our very first episode. It was based on the wrestling group that I had spearheaded on Facebook. I used to run a message board back in the day, Remember message boards, but I ran one and we had a kind of tight-knit community out of that. And those people all transitioned over to Facebook because Facebook was blowing up a lot back then and Facebook groups were kind of a new thing and it kind of just seemed like the right way to go. It was an easier way to just stay in touch with people. So we transitioned over to the Facebook group and I named it Club Kayfabe. Kayfabe is the wrestling term for anything that happens in character in wrestling. So if a wrestler is being mean to you, but they're just playing a character, that's kayfabe. And it's just a, it's a cool term. I like it. It goes back to the Carney days of wrestling. And I liked the idea of it being a club because it was exclusive. We only let in people we thought were cool and who would get along with people and not cause problems. Because I'm sure any of you out there who have ever used social media one time in your life, you know what a lawless lace land it can be. <laughs> so we made the club exclusive to to people who we knew and respected and who could vouch for other people and we had lots of people come and go and if they didn't vibe they eventually either let themselves out or they'd troll themselves out or whatever but that's what it is so we just called it the club kayfabe podcast eventually it became club kayfabe wrestle talk but the first episode was a lot of fun to record and we kind of did like introductions to ourselves and i talked about the history of the group and how it came to be and i was pretty nervous about it but it was a lot of fun and Eventually, we kind of found our stride a little bit and got more comfortable doing it. Uh, Slowly but surely, Pat has kind of just losing interest in wrestling and podcasting was just becoming too much of a hassle for him, so he ended up dropping out. Our buddy Glenn took over as the permanent third host, and then eventually the Modern Wrestling product kind of became jaded for Dan and I, and doing a wrestling show wasn't really working because we weren't really watching it much anymore. Um, The COVID thing happened, and... It just wasn't doing it for us. I ended up dropping cable as a way to save money, so I wasn't watching it anyway. And then when Eric and I got together and started the Nerd Table, because I'd always wanted to do another podcast uh, just about nerd culture stuff, Dan listened to the first episode and was like, I want to do that. So we brought him over and made him a permanent third host. And I've done other podcasts before. Dan and I did do a movie podcast for a while. It was called Talk and Talkies. Dan came up with that one. I did a one-man show where I interviewed my friends, a concept that Adrian Cotton and I are going to be reviving pretty soon. I came up with the interview and independent wrestler idea that Adrian Cotton hopped on board with, so we're gonna get on board with that stuff here, and now I do this one-man show. But I have been podcasting now for the better part of these last nine freaking years, and I, I do this because I genuinely love doing it. And through podcasting, I have met a lot of friends on the internet who have become very close friends of mine. Uh, gamer buddies, pretty much. And don't ever say that your internet friends are not your real friends, because they are. Sometimes they're even closer than people that you've met in real life before. And while my true best friends in life are still people I am connected to, either locally here in Lancaster, or my buddy in high school who lives in Jersey, or a handful of other people that I still stay in touch with, Dan and Eric, for example... You know, don't underestimate the power of those internet friendships and that internet support. These people have been wonderful and they've been there for us and they've really, really helped shape the show and everything and shape just being a podcaster. Like I said, this has been a lot of fun and I wouldn't keep doing it if I genuinely didn't enjoy doing it. Would I ideally like to be a bit more famous so I could actually conduct interviews with somewhat famous people? Sure. Would I love to have that ad revenue and actually get paid for doing this? Absolutely. But at the same time, just like wrestling, I didn't do it to make money. I did it because I wanted to. And that's something that I think a lot of people can take inspiration from. If I've Not that I'm necessarily an inspirational human being, but if there's ever something I could do in life that would inspire somebody, it's to do stuff for you and do stuff because you enjoy doing it, and keep close the people who help you and support you and care about you. And I've done that, and you know, I've gone through up and down periods in life, but I can sit here right now and tell you that I'm very happy just because I've done three very unique things that not a lot of people have ever really done. I've got some amazing stories that I can tell on this show and in the future, from all three of these aspects, like, and I've met so many awesome people who have supported me, and I've got wonderful friends to this day who I still consider very close friends and I care about very deeply, who I met through wrestling, through Disney, and Universal as well, and through podcasting and my my internet and social media presence. So nothing can ever take that away from me. So just, just being able to have all three of those things happen in the month of May is really, really phenomenal. I mean, what am I going to talk about in November? My birthday? Oh boy, another year older. Yay. You know, like, but May, I've got these three really cool things that all happened in this one month. And not many people can say that they've been able to do these things before. Everybody's got that cool, unique story, which is why I want to do the show where I interview people and have them tell those stories. But this is my story. And this isn't even the whole story. This is really just the prologue to all three of those chapters. We haven't even really cut in and gotten into the details yet and specifically how certain things went down and and real big details about the early times and training at Disney and the first year being in wrestling and some of the the jokes and everything that we pulled and and with podcasting some of the some of the fun stuff and the tech issues and the people we've interviewed and talked to and other friends we've made like there's so much more to talk about but I really just wanted to get these stories out there kind of tell them a little bit how how things sort of transpired And you guys can let me know if there's something specific you'd like me to talk about with one of these three aspects. Is there a question that you have that you'd like me to answer? You can drop it in the comments of the video. You can either do that right on Podbean. You can do it on any of the socials where I share the video. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chris O'Mealy. You can follow me on all three. Uh, You can even follow me on TikTok if you want. I don't post any TikToks, but I have a friend encouraging me very strongly to do it, and I'm probably going to. So that's another place you can reach me. Or you can always email me, omelepodcasts at gmail.com, which is the podcasting email I use for all this stuff. So you can shoot me an email. But however you want to reach me and however you want to reach out to me, whatever works for you, just do it. Get out there and tell your own story. This is just the start of my chapter, and I've got so much more to write, so many more things that I want to get done in life. And I've I've already kind of talked about some of them in the previous episodes, but now I can actually talk about things I have accomplished and where the future would be. So if I had to pick a future for anything for wrestling, I wanna run shows again. I definitely think that would be fun, and I'm just all I all I honestly would need would be a financial backer because everything else I could handle. Um wouldn't necessarily want to handle it completely by myself, but if I just had somebody to, to support it financially, there's no telling what we could get done there. Because I've got connections, I can get a ring, I can get a building, and I can get tons of wrestlers, and I have all those connections to really stack the card and fill it up. So that would never be a problem. Uh, Other than that, as far as podcasting goes, the big goal, of course, would be to start getting an actual revenue coming in. Yes, we have the patron, I do have the t-shirt shop now, but that's not like consistent revenue. I I don't want to, like, necessarily sacrifice my principles and make the show full of ads, but it's the logical step to keep the show afloat, and if I can make money being a podcaster or a radio person, like, that's my dream job, would be to have my own consistent radio show and be paid to do exactly what I'm doing right here. That's, like, the ultimate dream job. So, I'm gonna keep doing this as long as it's fun. I'm gonna keep trying to grow the audience. As far as the theme parks go, I can I can say I've been there and done that. I definitely never have to work there again. Uh, I truthfully probably don't ever want, want to work there again, but I will always have those fond memories and I will always go back and visit. And even the bad times will never sour me to the good times. Like all three of these have had bad times. I've definitely had bad times podcasting. I've definitely had bad times at the parks and I've absolutely had some bad times in wrestling. But to quote the late great Scott Hall, bad times don't last. You know the rest, bad guys do. But he's right, bad times don't last. So I'm not gonna let that negatively affect me on all the wonderful positive things that have happened from this. So, do you know anybody else in your life who has worked in pro wrestling, has a podcast, and does creative stuff, and also worked at Walt Disney World, or for the Walt Disney Company, or Universal for that matter, was on the opening team for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and can say he was there on June 10th, 2010, when the park opened to the masses, and all the actors and everything were there. Like, there's there's so much that I can say that's unique to me, and... I want everybody to find that with themselves. You know, I want you guys to think about all that stuff that's cool and unique to you, all the cool stuff that you've done or are doing that other people can't say that they're doing. Like, just think about that. We're all very unique individuals, and I'm really proud of where I am right now and what I've done. And I hope you guys are too, and I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope you continue to support me. So thank you very, very much. If you feel obligated to do some financial support, buy a t-shirt from the store. And if you don't like the designs right now, I've got more on the way, including more than just the simple text designs. And I've got content coming for YouTube, CKCC video on YouTube, and I've got more ideas for more podcasts and everything. So I'm never never going to be done with all this. I'm going to keep doing this until I physically can't do it anymore or something, you know, just happens where I just it's no longer feasible for me to do it, you know? But it's fun, I enjoy it, and that's what matters to me. So thank you guys, and I do very very much appreciate all of you because like I said, if you weren't supporting me, yeah, I'd probably still be doing some of this stuff, but it wouldn't be the same. To, ha- to have that actual support really does matter. It really does make all the difference. Patrons, I just want to let you guys know that I do appreciate the heck out of all of you, Yes, I'm well aware that you guys are supposed to get this early, but again, I just, I needed to get this show out there. But I want to give shoutouts to Jeff T., Jay Winger, Glenn Kukan, Adrian Cotton, Matthew Hardman, Brian Leon, and Robert Atkin. You guys are the reason why this show is still happening and the channel is still happening. Thank you guys very, very much, very much appreciated. And you guys get to help control the content on here, like I've said before, so... All you got to do is tell me what you want me to talk about, and I will absolutely take that into consideration. If you are one of the top tier $15 pledgers like Jeff and Glenn, You get the first priority, the $10 tier second, the $5 tier last. But hey, it's not so much about that so much as the fact that you're just supporting me in general. Again, without that support, I couldn't be doing this. So thank you, and thank all of you for continuing to support me, and stay tuned for another episode coming next week. Until then, to quote Eric on the nerd table, be excellent to one another. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you again.